1: Mayor Michael B. Hancock delivered his last State of the City address yesterday before his final term in office ends in 2023. It was a speech, that's for sure. So me and producer Paul Caroli wanted to offer some additional context and talk about how Hancock changed Denver and how he didn't. Today is Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver.
0: Hi, Brie. Hi, Paul. So here we are. Minutes out from, we are back. Minutes out from (laughs) Mayor Michael B. Hancock's final State of the City address. His last year of his last term as mayor. And boy, was there a lot of pomp and circumstance around (laughs) this one.
1: So much pomp. So many songs. So many songs played before. He, it was like a half an hour of music before he came out.
0: Got to shout out Brothers of Brass, I think. That's a cool band. And he had Brothers of Brass playing as he walked into the uh, the rec center gym at in Montbello. That was cool.
1: You know, it was cool. It was an interesting thing to see if you have followed at all what happened with Brothers of Brass over the last couple of years. Um, Some of the musicians are friends of mine. They actually played at my wedding and they were in this situation where they weren't being allowed to play in and around the DCPA, which patrons really enjoyed, but some stuffy folks in downtown Denver didn't like it. And it was interesting to me to see them in this context because the city has not always been hospitable to Mm. the Brothers of Brasses of the world. But my feeling is, I hope those guys got paid a lot of money to to play that. That's what I care about. Did my musician friends get paid?
0: Uh, So let's speak for a second about what this moment was for Mayor Hancock. Bree, what what are these State of the City speeches? and, And what do you think this one meant for him?
1: In this particular instance, the State of the City is coming as he's finishing out his three terms as mayor. He's termed out after this. He's been in office for what will be 12 years, Um, in, in arguably a time in Denver that has been pretty rough,
2: right? You might recall when I became mayor, Denver was struggling to recover from the Great Recession. We rebuilt our economy, created new opportunities, and reinvested in our neighborhoods. Denver not only came back, we roared back. Becoming a leader by almost every metric in this nation. Then, as we all know, the global pandemic hit.
1: So I think this speech was like to focus on what he had done recently. This was not an overview. This was what he had done in the last couple of years. And it seemed to me to leave it very open. Yeah, wasn't a final goodbye or, you know, like I'm leaving office, I'm leaving political life forever or whatever. And, and I know you kind of had a feeling about this, Paul, what was your feeling about this speech?
0: Well, just what you said exactly. I mean, going into it, I was expecting this, this triumphant look back at all of his accomplishments as mayor over 11 going on 12 years. And that was not the theme at all. I mean, he repeated a few times this refrain of the work is not done yet. So yeah. he really and he announced quite a few new programs in this speech. Like it, it it was a pretty conventional state of the city, I thought, in that sense.
1: Yeah, it definitely was not a wrapping up of what he had done. All right,
0: so let's talk about some of the stuff that he he announced, some of his ongoing programs he wanted to talk about. Where do you want to start? What what grabbed you?
1: <laughs> I actually want to start before he got into his talking points when okay. he was describing the city that he came into in this great recession and Um, all the progress that we've made since. And then he talked about the pandemic.
2: Mm -hmm. We made tough decisions, a stay at home order, difficult budget cuts and mandated vaccinations to name a few.
1: And I cannot help but hearken back to that moment in the midst of quarantine when we got a stay at home order. And then we watched our mayor get on an airplane and (laughs) go out of the state for Thanksgiving and I think on social media, I shared an image of my mother in her full PPE as a almost 50-year-long veteran of healthcare. She's been a ER nurse for almost 50 years. And I don't get to spend Thanksgiving with my mom most years because she's at work. And the fact that I saw that and then I got to see my mayor skip out of town. When you're a leader, you're supposed to lead. And that was just like couldn't let that
2: go these last years have tested us but we've made it
1: because it also just felt very personal like we're all going through this together right we're in this together we hear that all the time we're in this together are we really because it seems like you get special privileges when you're a politician and if you choose to take advantage of those and i don't know it just spoke to me to a character situation
0: yeah yeah well this is our mayor. I mean, we've had 12 years of him. We know him. This is what he does. This is what he likes to do. It's true. Um, it's true. What else grabbed you? I know we, we, we were chatting a bit about the the section on the housing crisis. Maybe we could talk mm. about that a little.
1: I, it's frustrating to me because this, this speech outlines some specifics in terms of numbers. Since I took office in 2011, we've rehoused more than 13,000 of our homeless neighbors. Great. On paper. Awesome. What is the context of that? How many people are unhoused right now? How many people have been unhoused throughout this entire administration? If there's one thing that I think defines this era of Denver, it is our housing situation. Whether it's the housing crisis in terms of what people are paying for rents, whether it's the number of unhoused folks we see now more visible than ever in our city, or it's the price of housing to buy a home, to get into the home. That was what was interesting too, is in the speech he starts with, I purchased my first home in Montbello when I was 23 years old. Is that same thing true for a 23-year-old in 2022 who lives in Montbello? I have to say, it's probably highly unlikely that someone is able to afford a home in Montbello that he afforded. And I I know that housing markets change and, and prices raise, but I just, I, he mischaracterized their work to me because anybody who walks out their front door or exists in the city can see a very visible, unhoused situation that I don't remember seeing 15 years ago in the same numbers. And so I just, I don't know. I don't think he presented that in an honest
2: way. The state of our city, recognizing what we've come through, is a city in motion, a city in pursuit of justice and opportunity, a city determined to lift up all our residents.
0: Yeah, I mean, his mayorship, I mean, as you talked about, it's like this has been a time of great change, massive economic growth of the city, population growth. But then also there was that section about policing. I mean, he talked about the the George Floyd protests of 2020 a few times. How did you feel about the section on policing?
2: This shouldn't be a debate over more or less policing. That's a false choice. It's about better policing. That's a false statement to me. This is absolutely a
1: conversation about more or less policing. That's Mm -hmm. been the conversation since the George Floyd protests. That's what protesters were saying in the streets, in Denver, less policing. That is what's at debate. I would say that the numbers that we have that show police payouts for brutality. I would talk about the amount of folks who have been harmed and or killed by police. I want to look at those numbers if you want to talk about more or less policing.
2: Now, while we remain focused on making our law enforcement better, we cannot lose sight of their mandate. A dramatic spike in violent crime has damaged our city's sense of safety. We're going to continue to hire more police officers to keep our neighborhoods safe. Let me move on because
0: I, I want there's one thing that he talked about that was so surprising to me. I cannot believe that this came up. I thought this project was just dead as a doornail and I'd never hear about it again. but he talked about the Denver Basic Income project, and he said that he's going to be suggesting that the city invests two million dollars of our federal pandemic relief money into this project)
2: This funding will provide more than 140 women and families currently in shelters with $1,000 a month for a year in direct cash assistance.
0: Do you remember this project? Does that name ring a bell for you? Oh, yeah.
1: I remember because we were trying to talk to someone from the Denver Basic Income Project and it all fell through because the administration or the infrastructure of that program to begin with sort of fell apart.
0: Yeah, exactly. This was like a year ago. Westward reported on this. Okay. So let me, starting from the beginning, what is this project? It's a rich dude who made a crap load of money on his Tesla stocks in 2020, the first year of the pandemic, who felt bad that he was seeing all of people around him, you know, suffering and sad. So he just started giving out money to people like $1,000 a month. Um, just directly to people he knew, I guess. I don't know how he picked them. But then he decided this was working and he wanted to make it into a nonprofit. And he contributed $500,000. And then that's when it fell apart because he brought on a, a sponsor, a fiscal sponsor, that some of the people who were working with him uh, had a problem with. It's a group called Impact Charitable. And so like some of the early volunteers quit uh, Denver Homeless Out Loud was an original partner, along with Mile High Ministries, and they both dropped out as a result of this conflict. I'm I'm just reading from this Westward article, uh, but there's one person, a Denver Homeless Out Loud organizer, Anna Cornelius. She said that she was really frustrated because the project is really important and it needs to be done well. If it's not done well, it could be disastrous. And at this point, I'm fearful that it won't be done right and that the data collected will be used against basic income.
1: Uh, To say this is a thing that can't work. Yeah. But the mayor brought it up.
0: And now they're giving it $2 million. Right. So I I don't know. I don't know what the story is here. I don't know what happened between September 2021 and now to make this organization that seemed like, you know, I don't want to project on this person. I'd love to hear what he thinks. But it seems like a rich dude with a savior complex coming in and saying, I've got the right idea. Let me use the power of my money to, make the change that i want to see in the world and other people disagreeing but now and now he's getting two million dollars from the city but perhaps it's interesting
1: i would love to talk to somebody who's who ends up participating in this project and ask them how they feel about it
0: yeah yeah i thought that was just so shocking that that came up again um the other one that jumped out to me is the the think tank Denver's Institute of Racial Equity, Innovation, and Reconciliation, which is another idea that I thought had died. He announced it back in 2020, and now here it is again.
2: The Institute will promote research around racism, bias, inclusion, and practices of reconciliation, as well as the development of programs and training for law enforcement and the public, private, and education sectors. Bree, what do
0: you think about the think tank, the the city-funded think tank?
1: I mean... My cynicism just says this is more bureaucratic red tape to deal with instead of just going straight to the communities and dealing with the stuff that they've probably been telling leadership about for
2: decades. I'm proud to announce the organization has officially been established, the board has been formed, and stakeholder meetings are being conducted to further develop the program and funding strategies
1: you know, Mm -hmm. like just hearing from the people. I don't know why. I, I feel like this, this current administration is super into creating an office anytime there's a problem. Like, oh, there's a problem, create an office for it. Well, just go to the root of the problem.
0: For me, this one, this one touched on another theme of the Hancock administration that I think is, I mean, I've not heard another elected leader focus on this so much, but I'm suspicious anytime the government gets into the information game and I know that the Hancock administration has provided funding for that that newspaper the five points Atlas and it's edited by this guy quan Atlas who's running for uh candy sayabonca seat district 9 next year and so there he's getting money from the mayor this quan Atlas guy has you know he's works for the mayor and now the mayor is setting up wants to set up this think tank to fund research it's just all very like I don't think that's who should be doing the research into policing and and equity and like city programs i don't think the city should be funding that i would want us to be using independent research to base Uh, our policy ideas on
1: this all sounds so very yucky and too insular and sending money funneling money through things that mm, hmm 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 that's all i have to say about that huh
0: well, it was a long speech. You talked about a lot of programs. Bree, do you, have, um, do you have a positive? Do you want to shout out something positive, the mayor said?
1: I do. Uh, the My Denver card, which is a membership program that's free for kids. I think anyone under 18, you can get this card and it gets you into any rec center. But it also gets you into all kinds of museums and all of the big five SCFD funded uh, Denver Art Museum, Botanic Gardens. Uh, Museum of Nature and Science, History Colorado, Denver Zoo. So kids can use this like all over the place. I love that. I love anything that can get kids. um, It gives them something to do. I mean, that's the thing that rec centers serve such an important purpose in our communities. And I grew up a kid going to rec centers. Um, They were, you know, they create community space, they They create spaces for folks to uh, intergenerational community space. They provide food. They provide stuff to do in the summer. And I I think that that's something really amazing that Denver has is like the My Denver card is something that came out of the Hancock administration. And I think that it really, truly does serve children. And I love that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I know that that that's like a personal project of his and he's particularly proud of it. And he should be. It's a great idea. Great program. Seems to be working great.
1: What did you, was there anything positive that that you
0: thought was great, Paul? Uh, there were a few things that I would want to talk about. I mean, he, um, he used the opportunity to get on the bandwagon uh, with the rest of us and celebrate our Stanley Cup winning Colorado avalanche. I counted three references to the team, to the win, which was cool. Um, I don't know, pandering, I guess some might say.
2: You know, our city has a secret sauce, right? We build on the accomplishments of the past. Thank you, Mayor Webb. And we have the propensity to skate where the puck is going, not where it currently sits. Do you don't don't feel like those were just, I mean, do you feel like those were just straight pandering the
1: abs? 100%. Okay. 100%. The, like, reference to the puck in life or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's, like, a famous Wayne Gretzky quote. You go to (sighs) where the puck is going to be and not where the puck is. That was, like, the way he described, like, how he plays differently, why he was so good at hockey. And to hear Michael Hancock, who, like – I mean, his, he's maybe been in a luxury box seat at Ball Arena while a game <laughs> was happening, but I don't, I don't, he's never struck me as a hockey fan. Not to say he's not, he might be, they might, I mean, we could have a nice conversation about that at some point, perhaps.
1: Yeah, he was signaling to people, I know what's up.
0: Yeah. Um. So Mayor Hancock made it pretty clear he did not want this speech to be about his legacy. He wasn't trying to tell a story about his time as mayor here, but we can talk about that if we want i mean this is going to be the last opportunity he has to address the city in this forum Bree, what do you think mayor hancock's legacy is going to be
1: i mean uh to me it's he passed the urban camping ban our crisis of unhoused folks our crisis of housing our crisis for of housing for people who are doing all of these jobs that keep the city going and it gets it's gotten harder and harder to be able to afford to live here that's his legacy to me I don't think that we did enough as a city and part of that stems from the fact that we started he started his administration by making it illegal to be unhoused in the city. Mm. So, that's that's all this time has meant to me. What about you, Paul?
0: Well, I just I last few weeks I just can't keep the idea of a imminent recession out of my head. And when he was talking about coming into office after the great recession in 0708 I was thinking, wow, is, is Hancock going to be the inter-recession mayor? Is that how he's going to go down in history? The guy who failed to take advantage of the the opportunity of all that explosive growth to get us in a position to to better fend off this next, an, another downturn. But I don't know. I mean, it, time will tell.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, he's like, he's the prime example of the Denver problem, which is we're always looking out at what could be uh, something cool Or amazing, or you know, like the vision for DIA or this vision for what Union Station could be. And like we refuse to just look right in front of us at like what the actual issues are. Like what do our what do our people need right now? Not what are we doing to attract new people to the city? Because we don't have any trouble attracting people to the city. That's the thing is like this isn't a complaint about transplants. Like I'm saying people want to come to Colorado. It's gorgeous here. Denver's a cool city, but When our leadership is not looking at the people right in front of them, it doesn't make for a very sustainable future, like you're saying. Like we could have been implementing things economically, housing wise, um, to better prepare us for when things do go south. But I do have that fear that like things are going to get worse and the people that are going to feel it the most are the people that are already the most vulnerable. And that bums me out.
0: Well, listeners, we'll put a we'll put a link to a full transcript of the mayor's speech in the show notes. If you want to look for the rest of these new announcements and programs for yourself, we, you know, touched on only a small fraction of them. And I'd love to hear what anyone else thinks about this. Um, you got a thought about uh, the mayor's time in office? What is Mayor Hancock's legacy? Let us know. Leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear it on the show. Our number is seven two zero five zero zero five four one eight.
2: Our work is not done. We will not waver. And so it's time to get back to work. Thank you. God bless you. God bless the city and county of Denver.
1: That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.